The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to Utah Symphony, Utah Opera's Ghostlight Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look at the world of classical music and the people that make it. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Welcome, everyone. We are coming to you today from three different locations. Carol, Robert, and I are all speaking to you from our homes. This is the world of COVID-19. And if you, if you listen to podcasts as much as I do, you know that everyone is doing this right now. Everyone has had to create a home studio, and everyone has had to be flexible and creative about the way they bring their message to their audience. And it's no different for us at The Ghost Light. We're thrilled to be able to continue to speak to you even during this time of quarantine. I hope you've had a chance to hear our episode that we released last week on music that heals. We had a wonderful time to talk together about events in our collective past and musical pieces that are associated with those. Jeff and I shared a couple of personal experiences and some music that meant a lot to us during some crisis times in our own lives. And we got a lot of response of other people sharing their own stories. So we wanted to follow up and just bring a couple of those to your attention. Well, in addition to sheltering in place and keeping ourselves as clean and distant as possible, those of us who live in Utah, which does not include me at the moment, had another experience last week that added to this sort of end of days vibe we're all feeling right now. Carol, Tell us about the earthquake. I only heard about it from my wife over the phone. There was enough going on already. I think our plates were plenty full with crisis. And then at 7.09 Wednesday morning, some people were awake. Obviously, I'm not an early morning person. So I was shaken awake by this 5.7 tremor that originated kind of on the shore of the Salt Lake. So it was about six kilometers from where I live. Uh, It was a rude awakening, to say the least, and added an extra... Uh, component, I guess, of um, anxiety to the day. It was a great time to kind of connect with my neighbors because we all were really good about checking on one another here on my little street near downtown Salt Lake. Seeing as the earthquake had happened while I was asleep, I was somewhat hesitant to go back to bed that night because the last time I had been in bed, of course, I had been awoken in a frightening way. So I literally built a blanket fort under my dining room table. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a grown woman, but I built a blanket fort. One of the things that was uneasy is uh, living alone. It was so quiet in my house. And so I really found some comfort and I've stuck to that for the rest of the, the night since in this Spotify sleep playlist. And so I just loop that overnight. It's It's not classical music that really makes me listen to it. It's actually just sort of some ambient kind of massage music, but it keeps me calm and keeps me feeling like I'm not alone. And so it was just interesting that here's another case in which music is just in my world, not just as an artist, but I needed it for emotional stability and peace. Well, I'm not surprised that you sought the sort of medicinal aspects of music listening, because one of the calls I got that morning was from you, Carol. I was called by a handful of people and you were the second one. And you definitely sounded like, forgive the pun, you were shaken up by what happened. (laughs) And so, I mean, did it work? Did you, did you, is it, is it working? Are you still doing this? Are you still finding that solace? I am doing it. Occasionally we'll have an aftershock that'll wake us up. And of course, any of our listeners who've ever been through an earthquake understand that aftershocks just happen. It's great when I do wake up in the middle of the night to not just hear this silence. It's amazing how it's made me deal with things much more confidently 
Well, we definitely want to hear from some other people about how they're using music to cope with this moment or moments in their past where they've needed some of that solace that you're talking about, Carol. You may recall at the end of the last episode, we asked folks to get in touch with us about times in their life where music was an aid during crisis. And as Carol mentioned, we've got a few of those we'd like to share with you today. On the line with us right now is Kathleen Sykes, a colleague of both Carol and I. Kathleen is the digital content producer for Utah Symphony, Utah Opera. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Hey, it's great to be here. Kathleen, thanks for coming and being willing to share your story because it's a pretty vulnerable one. Uh, tell us about when you were a teenager. So when I was a teenager, um, I suffered from very severe depression and anxiety. A lot of it was related to school. Unfortunately, I dealt with some bullying. And then at the end of the school year, I made a suicide attempt. You shared with me that one of the things that got you through was a particular piece of music that I wasn't familiar with. Yeah, so I actually did ballet for about 14 years. And a lot of my time, some of my hobbies back then were just looking at YouTube videos of ballets. And I ran across this ballet that I had never heard of before. It's called Le Bayadere by Ludwig Minkus. I looked it up and it was a production by the Paris Opera. And so I bought the DVD that it was recorded on. And then I watched the whole thing. And there's this beautiful moment in the final act where it's just this um, dream scene. And there's this huge court de ballet moment where all of these dancers, all in white tutus, they do this very slow adagio down this ramp. And it's about six or seven minutes long. And the music really just stood out to me. For some reason, it just had this a calming effect. And I, uh, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain hard to describe. Yeah, uh, I, I took the time to look at the link that you sent me of this and it's really quite beautiful. It's almost hypnotic because of the repetitive motion of the corps de ballet and the simplicity of the movement, but also the elegance of it. So I can see why it was just calming. I was going to ask you, Kathleen, speaking of this day, I mean, you've just told us a pretty harrowing story of personal crisis. Now that we're living through this global crisis, Speaking of this day, do you do you return to that music in these in these times or music like it? Is it is it helpful at all as you're dealing with this alongside of everybody else? Honestly, to this day, sometimes when I'm feeling agitated, I'll pull out that song and I'll just listen to it and meditate to it. And it's a great way to clear my mind of what's going on in it and the anxieties that I have and just focus on one thing. I've got a friend who has is not a musician. He's had a life in science and he always as a music lover talks about how listening to concerts, particularly classical music, fires parts of his brain that nothing else in his life does. And it actually enables him to think more deeply about his own work. And I suspect the same is probably true for grief and pain and anxiety too. Do you, do you agree, Kathleen? Um, I mean, I've gone through like spurts of depression throughout my life, but I remember like there was one time and I can't remember what song it was, I was feeling particularly down and I got into my car and it was this, immediately it was this song that started playing. I think it's from a movie soundtrack. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this song knows exactly how I feel. <laughs> um, wow, I don't know, wow. there's just something about it where I'm like, oh my gosh, it understands. Like even if it's a sad music, like I think sometimes people think of like, oh, I'm sad right now, so I shouldn't be listening to sad music. I should listen to happy music. I would actually kind of say the opposite. I think listening to music that sort of understands your mood at the moment is really, really, really helpful. Carol, I think the title of the episode just changed to Music Knows Exactly How You Feel. That's right. It's true, though. I agree that listening to the sad music when you're in a sad mood 
can really help you work through the sadness instead of trying to deny that the sadness is there. Music is kind of a therapist that won't talk back to you, so. <laughs> and it's free. And it's free. <laughs> Kathleen, thanks so much for sharing your stories with us today. And um, we'll let you get back to your office, but we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. I'll see you guys later. Someone else who reached out to us via Facebook was tenor Joseph Gaines, who has been a frequent performer at Utah Opera, most recently in the role of Flask for Moby Dick. And he told a story I'm sure many will be able to resonate with about performing not long after 9-11 in a Byzantine fresco chapel in Houston. He was part of a professional chamber choir and they performed the Heinrich Schutz funeral music. And that chapel was built to house frescoes that had been stolen over the years from a famous ancient chapel in Cyprus. And there was a local family that put together some funds to bring those works back and have them recreated there. So for Joseph, I know this piece, this music by Heinrich Schutz, is not only a great outpouring of grief after 9-11, but it's also something that reminds him of how things can be rebuilt, like those frescoes. And he mentioned in his note to us that he found himself listening to it again just this past summer when dealing with some major family health drama. And I know that he feels like the years have not blunted that music's very powerful effect on him. And I suspect, Carol, he's listening to it even today. Very likely. Let's head back to the phones, Carol. We're joined now by Quinn Middleman. She is the mezzo-soprano of the Resident Artist Program at Utah Opera. Welcome, Quinn. Hi, glad to be here. Quinn, as a performer, I think you might have a little bit different insight to talk about how music can serve as therapy in troubled times. Yeah, so the story that I wanted to tell um, that came to mind when you first asked this question was when I was in grad school, as a lot of us have uh, some issues during grad school, it's a stressful time. And I uh, was having a particularly rough time in my life. I have a depression and anxiety, and that's always been something that I've uh, dealt with. And music has been a really helpful way for me to learn how to express my emotions, especially during that time in grad school. I was finding it difficult to have enough time to everything. I was in like such a crazy rehearsal schedule all the time that I never felt like I could, you know, just sit and like express myself and feel right. my feelings. You're so, constantly having to meet the schedule needs. Yeah, 100%. So I found a way, I guess, through all of my rehearsal and stuff, this one song in particular that I was performing a lot and getting ready for a competition and stuff. And I ended up using this song a lot as a way to express my emotion and a way to kind of get all of those feelings out. It's kind of a depressing text, but it really spoke to me at the time. And it's by Franz Schreker, who's one of my favorite composers that nobody ever knows about, except for maybe the Chamber Symphony. But uh, he also wrote tons and tons of incredible operas that people don't really perform anymore because uh, fame came about during the Weimar Republic and he uh, had Jewish ancestry. So his works were essentially kind of squashed through history and we don't really get to see them, unfortunately, even though at the time uh, they were performed only second to Richard Strauss's operas in Germany. Tell me about, I don't know the music of Franz Schreker, probably for this, I mean, obviously for this very reason that you just explained. So tell us about this one song. So his style is kind of different depending on uh, what different works you look at, but this particular song, um, he did sort of coming into his composing around the turn of the century, even though a lot of his well-known works were later in like the 1920s, but this particular song is from early 1900s. It's from his Opus 7, Achtlieder. 
And this song is kind of more in a romantic style. It uh, is generally very tonal, um, although with some extended chords and really interesting piano parts. We should, we should check it out here. It's really fun. <laughs> The text itself uh, is, uh, as I said, fairly depressing, but it talks about a man uh, or a person who is, um, who's in a desolate wasteland, that they used to have all of this hope and things to look forward to, and it turns out all of that was a mirage, and now, and the text is, nun uh, in blühendem Sand, now I'm laying in the, in the scorching sand and I just feel dusty and tired and I don't have any energy to move on. Um, which is kind of contrasted by this like gorgeous lush melody underneath uh, that really gives uh, a lot of opportunity for me to express my emotion was how I interpreted the song. So this was, you know, it's interesting because you're our second guest that's talked about this idea of marinating in the feeling rather than listening or using music as a tool to negate the feeling or mm -hmm. to in opposition to the feeling. And so obviously in gr at grad school, it sounds like you were feeling a little bit like you were in a scorching wasteland of stress and overwhelmedness, if you will. Honestly, one of my mom's favorite stories to tell about me is that I always kind of expressed feeling and sadness like by going to play the piano or by going to play my oboe or singing or whatever and that was a way that I dealt with my feelings and it wasn't so much to like negate my feelings as you were saying to make myself feel a different way but just to like process how I was feeling and I think other people use a lot of different methods to do that but mine was to perform or to have a have a chance to express those feelings rather than um, trying to listen to something else that would make me feel better because a lot of my life was pretending that I wasn't feeling bad right yeah I'm trying to be functional and do school I like this idea of music as therapy not an antidote and I wonder if that applies to what we're all going through today I mean you're talking about an incredibly personal experience and Today, you're experiencing something literally with the world. Do the same rules apply for you? Well, obviously, I'm not really able to perform quite as much like making music with people right now because uh, we're all in our homes right now. But um, I do find that the few times that we have gotten to make music in the last couple of weeks are so refreshing, which I'm sure you'll, you feel as well, Carol, and any yes, musician absolutely. can really... Uh, who is maybe away from their instrument for a while or something can can understand that it feels really uh, it's a completely different type of expression than anything else. So I know some people like to express themselves in different types of art, but I don't really do that. The only real outlet I have artistically is music in a lot of ways. So that makes me um, makes me feel more connected to people. Makes me feel like there's like a I don't know if this makes sense, but like a deeper part of my uh, emotions that I haven't been able to access mm -hmm. uh, through speaking or thinking that um, musically I get to explore that part of myself. Quinn, we're so grateful that you came and took a little bit of time out of your day to share in such a vulnerable fashion. And I look forward to exploring these songs and maybe we can, when we can coach again, we'll work on those together. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks for having me, you guys. Another submission came from Julie, who was in attendance at our performances in 2017 of Man of La Mancha. I remember this moment that she's talking about so vividly. At the end of every performance of Man of La Mancha, after the bows, we had a group sing 
of the impossible dream. The whole audience, the whole cast joined together singing this beautiful, beautiful musical theater song. And she described it as this for her. She said, the Me Too movement was launching at the time and reading that so many of her friends and acquaintances had been abused was heartbreaking. Coming together with a theater full of people to witness Dulcinea's embrace of Don Quixote's hopeful outlook after all that she had endured was powerful. And then to sing that anthem of hope together was moving and healing. Also through email were comments by Scott Palmer. Scott is a 23-year veteran of the magnificent Utah Opera Chorus. I believe he's just retired from that group, Carol. He was also a teacher in the Utah public school system. He grew up in a family that was very much saturated by music. He was one of five children, was, he, he would probably say forced, I would say encouraged <laughs> to choose an instrument. And for him, it was the trombone. His life took him to the Navy right after high school. And from there, he joined the Air National Guard and was a part of the Air Force Reserve as well. Was sent in 2005, 2006 to Iraq. Scott talks about in his very thorough, very heartfelt letter about how music is used to calm the effects of PTSD. And also speaks very candidly about experiences he had in the war very harrowing experiences personally. And he talks at length about the loss of very close comrades in Iraq. And I know that music for him has been a constant companion, a constant source of solace. And I like the fact, and Carol, you've seen this as well. He gave us a playlist of his own that is easily 50 to 60 pieces long. And when we figure out a way to get our playlist online for everyone to see once all of these comments come in, we'll try to figure out a way to put Scott's comments in there as well. And I just want to say personal thanks to Scott, not only for his service, but his continued lifelong dedication to music. And I want to add just as a note about Scott, uh, he was so, he's been so fiercely dedicated to the chorus and just retired and moved back to Ohio. I think it's so apropos that his final performance on stage with the Utah Opera was in Silent Night, this beautiful story that we've talked about in the podcast of a moment of peace found in the time of warfare. And his retirement ceremony, if you will, was really quite moving. And our bagpiper, our onstage bagpiper, spontaneously joined in the pipes and brought everyone to tears. And so it was really a wonderful way to say thank you to Scott for his time that he spent with Utah Opera. Carol, we could probably do another hour of these yeah. testimonies. I think they're all incredibly fascinating. I think it's probably time to let people get back to their lives. I did want to mention that as long as your internet's working, as long as you're not competing for bandwidth with your neighbors, there are lots of things online you can go check out in this vein. I know that Steve Martin did a short video at his quarantine site that he calls Banjo Balm, B-A-L-M, and it's fabulous. I know Neil Diamond did a version of Sweet Caroline. You should check that out. Lizzo's got tons of video playing the flute on her Instagram. There's lots of musical healing out there to be had, and I hope you take advantage of that. And it doesn't have to just be classical, right, Carol? No, absolutely not. I mean, I told you about my experience with ambient massage music. Right. So whatever heals your heart and gives you strength to get through these challenging times, bring it into your life and make it a daily part of your routine. 
You should know that we're going to keep recording and we'll get back to regular shows very soon. And we both appreciate the opportunity to talk about how music can be a force for good in this time of great, great uncertainty. While our performances at the Capitol Theater and Robin Hall are suspended, we really do miss you and we want to stay connected. Please visit us on our social media channels and our new symphony and opera listening rooms, which has audio streaming, curated playlists, performance clips, educational resources, and of course, our Ghost Light podcast, which we're so honored if you take the time to listen to. Even though our concerts are currently suspended, we will be back. And a great way to support Utah Symphony, Utah Opera is by becoming a seasoned subscriber. If you feel so inclined, please do so on utahsymphony.org and utahopera.org. Until we are able to see you back in our halls, stay well, be strong. I'm Carol Anderson. And I'm Jeff Counts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>